All right, now, here are Krispy Kreme donuts. My name's Andrea Smith. I'm the pastor here at West, and welcome to the Day of Gluttony. If you're worshiping with us online, we extend a very special welcome to you. We are in the middle of a message series called Monsters That Lurk in the Dark, and the seven deadly sins originated, are y'all focused? I mean, I am trying to talk about some Bible stuff for just a minute before you eat. Just, yeah, I'll tell you about where the seven deadly sins came from in a minute. But anyway, uh, today is on gluttony. So I want you to meet our contestants for a Krispy Kreme eating contest. They're going to introduce themselves to you and tell you what their favorite food to eat is. I'm Laura Scruggs and my favorite food is chocolate. I'm Jelly Belly, and my favorite food is donuts. Well, I'm Donut Delia, so I really like donuts. Uh, Colin McLean and bacon-wrapped meat anything. (laughs) How many of you can identify with any of those favorite foods? Will you clap? All right, so now contestants, here are the rules. You can put, you cannot touch the donuts. You can put your hands around the base of your donut holder, all right? So yes, that is how you do it now. In just a minute, when I say go, you are going to begin eating, but you may not touch the donuts at all with your hands. If you need water, you may stop and and have a sip of water, okay? And we are going to see who gets finished the quickest, or we are going to put a time limit on it because I do have some other things to say about gluttony. So, all right, will you give them a hand for being willing to even do this? All right, on your mark, you cannot touch the donuts, remember? Get set, go. Feel free to cheer, Lance, Allison, Colin, Laura. And right now it appears Colin was sort of in the lead, yes. Uh, I don't know what we do if they land on the ground. Keep going, Colin. Lance has consumed one, Allison. Good job. Half a donut in one mouth. Laura, good for you. Spaghetti. It's like donut spaghetti. Lance is just very methodical and slow about his approach to the eating of Krispy Kremes. Colin keeps dropping them on the ground. Good job. Colin has only got half of one on the ground, I think. Of one, one total. (laughs) And Colin is continuing to methodically, and may I just say he is skinny. So I'm very jealous of the fact that Colin can down these donuts so quickly and effectively. Laura is eating her hair as she eats the donuts. Lance, that is not fair. You cannot spit them on the other people. Okay. All right, Tom, I'm calling Tom. Colin McLean is the winner. Give Colin a huge hand. 
wish there was a prize. However, there is not. Uh, that was prize enough, guys. Thank you so much. You may go be sick. Yeah, thank you for uh, saying that because um, I didn't have to. This morning we are dealing with the venial sin. That is the type of sin that the seven deadly sins are. And what that means is it is a sin that actually when done does not cause us to feel that guilty. I mean really, eating gobs and gobs of donuts does not technically make us feel just this spiritual overwhelming sense of guilt. So they're called venial sins, the seven deadly sins. They originated from a monastery, from a monk who found these thoughts just kept going in his head, things that you know would just cause him to do things or think things that were getting in the way of his spiritual life at being with at one with God. God. So that's what the seven deadly sins are today. We are talking about gluttony. Uh, it is not something I enjoy talking about. It is not something most of you will want to hear about. And so if you're worshiping online, you have an easy out. You can click close, although I will invite you not to. Uh, this is something that we actually probably all of us suffer from in one way or another. Gluttony is not just about food. So we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes as well. To sort of start the message off in a fun way, I want you to take a look at this movie clip from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Augustus sweetheart, save some room for later. Oh, uh, Augustus, please, don't do that. My chocolate must never be touched by human hands. Please, don't do that. Don't do that. You're contaminating my entire river. Please, I beg you, Augustus. My chocolate. My chocolate. My beautiful chocolate. Don't just stand there. Do something. Help. Police. Murder. Quick, Charlie, here. Quick, just grab this. What, what's happening to him? It looks like he's drowning. Dive in, save him! Oh, it's too late. Too late? He's had it now. The suction's got him. Augustus, come back! Where is he? Watch the pipe. How long is he going to stay down, Daddy? He can't swim. There's no better time to learn. There's his coat going up the pipe. Call a plumber. Stuck in the pipe there, isn't he, Wonka? It's his stomach that's done that. He's blocking all the chocolate. Well, what happens now? Right? Well, the pressure will get him out. Terrific pressure is building up behind the blockage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I wonder how long it's going to take him to push through. The suspense is terrible. He, he's going to go this time. I hope it'll last. Go on, boy. Go on. This is his He'll never get out. Yes, he will, Charlie. Watch. Remember you once asked me how a bullet comes out of a gun? Impossible, my dear lady. That's absurd. Unthinkable. Why? 
Because that pipe doesn't go to the marshmallow room, it goes to the fudge room. You terrible man. What the heck that Take Mrs. Gloop straight to the fudge room, but look sharp, or her little boy's liable to get poured into the boiler. You've boiled him up, I know it! Il desperandum, dear lady, across the desert lies the promised land. <laughs> Goodbye, Mrs. Gloop. Adieu, auf Wiedersehen, Gesundheit, farewell. If you're not greedy, you will go far. Sloth, greed, lust, they're all sort of tied together to the sin of gluttony. Before I show us the definition of gluttony, the Greek word that we will actually find in scriptures reference to, uh, I want to show you a picture of me as a little girl. One of, you may need to turn the spotlight out, that's good. Uh, This is after the summer that my mother passed away suddenly. I was eight years old, eight and a half, and I hope you can see in the picture that I am obese. Uh, I was short, although you can't really tell that by the leggy shorts that I have on in the picture, but um, I was short and I was fat. Gluttony is something that apparently my family has a history with. So therefore, I don't like preaching this sermon, but I think it would be a little obvious if I left out one of the seven deadly sins, if I only did six. And the last time I checked, my role as your pastor is to walk alongside you in our journeys. And so this morning, uh, disclaimer, I don't like talking about it. I do suffer from it. I wore gluttonous clothing this morning because frankly, I didn't feel like trying to pretend that uh, I don't struggle with this by wearing my Spanx and my jeans and my heels and my you know, shirt that doesn't hug every bulge of fat that I have still on my body. Gluttony is something that we all deal with. It isn't just about food. Sometimes we have uh, one too many beer. You'll find the cases over here symbolizing uh, the alcohol. You'll see that uh, to my right, your left, you will also see see up here the table of clothes, you'll also see up here just some junk. As you leave today, you will walk past tables outside in the entryway, or perhaps you saw them as you walked in. Those are cookies that were left over from the bash because you see there's a a nonprofit organization that had some extra cookies, so they gave them to us. And you will see 
pens, lots of writing utensils. Years ago, when I got back from Uganda, Scott had had a week alone at home. And what Scott Smith, who truly I can say, I can't think of a single thing the man is gluttonous about, and I've tried really hard in prepping for this message because, you know, I've we're an equal opportunity family. And uh, truly, I, I can't think of a single thing that he is gluttonous about, but I apparently have enough gluttony for both of us. There are enough writing utensils out on two or three tables for each of you, I believe, to take home at least five. We were in Uganda, the kids and I, and Scott was at home alone, and he is a neat freak. He likes things to be orderly. I live in chaos. So he took the opportunity while we were gone to sort of clean out all our junk drawers. How many of you clap if you have a junk drawer at home? How many of you have more than one? If you only have one drawer of randomness, junk, uh, kudos to you. Most of us, most of us have more than we need. That's not necessarily greed. Greed, the seven deadly sin of greed, it it lends itself more towards money. Gluttony is when we consume more than we need. So I want to pull up the definition of gluttony. The Greek word is glutea or gula, and it means to gulp down, not taste. Now, if you look at the next slide. Here is the bottom line definition of gluttony. Consuming more than you need and consuming more than it takes to satisfy. More than it takes to satisfy. On the tables out there, you see all these writing utensils. Why did the Smiths have, you know, like a thousand pens? There's only four of us in the family. Because you see, every year, my kids needed a new pack, right, of colored pencils or pens. And, and, you know, I don't like to use writing utensils for work that are not at their prime quality. So I just keep buying more. I'm ashamed, really. You can look out there and see gluttony. How many of us, and keep in mind I am saying us, not you, how many of us consume more than we need? How many of us, when we go through the drive-thru, supersize it, or even just get the value meal? How many of us have a bottle of water sitting beside us in our car, but... Instead of drinking the water and doing without the fries, we just, you know, sure, value size it. I'm getting a really good deal. You can pay $5 for the sandwich, or you can, can pay six thirty for, get this, a decent-sized drink and French fries. I mean, we're getting the better deal, right? How many of you do that? How many of you have more cars at home than your family can drive? You're laughing, somebody does, yes? How many of us, and I said you, I shouldn't have, I apologize for that, only because that's not one thing we're gluttonous about. We're gluttonous about everything else. We are not gluttonous about cars. Uh, How many of us have more clothes than we can wear in a work week? Oh, well, yeah, good, thanks for clapping. That's... Something I want us to think about. I mean, really, could we do laundry every off day so that we had the same things to wear next week? 
Gluttony is when we consume more than can satisfy us. We are a gluttonous nation. I want you to take a look at a picture of what's happened over the past 60 years in our society. On the bottom left, you have a small fry. In the top middle, you now have a medium fry. And on the right, you have a large fry. Uh, Audio people, if you'll leave this picture up while I talk about the next little bit. Back in the 1950s and 60s, gluttony was not quite as big of an issue as it is today. The sizes of things were smaller. People were less overweight or obese. The country itself was not as wealthy as it is now. We did not have things at our disposal as easily. I mean, we could exist and live now with everything that we could possibly need without ever leaving our homes. Amazon.com is an easy way to perpetuate our gluttony. We can order our groceries now online. And so over the last several years, this ease of acquisition has perpetuated our gluttony. We can get things easily. And guess what? Once you eat the the small plate of fries enough, and one time when you go to the next size, then you like that. I like that. And so then the next time, that's the norm. And then perhaps sometime we're somewhere and, and you know the large size is offered. And so we have that for the first time. And we're like, oh, I like that. That's good. And then it becomes the norm. I will never forget ever the first time I made a conscious decision as a little girl, to begin my path in gluttony. You saw the picture of my overweight self after the death of my mother. I've shared with you that uh, back then in 1978, 79, counseling was just not as prominent as it is today. So my counselor, my therapy, my way of dealing with my sadness and my shock and my grief and my loneliness was food in Sesame Street. And I combined the two. Every day after school, I would greet my grandmother and then walk down the hill, sit in my home alone for an hour and watch Sesame Street and eat as much as I could possibly eat, trying to fill this void that was in my soul. Why am I telling you that story? Not because I want you to feel sorry for me. Gluttony, the sin of gluttony, the venial sin of gluttony is because we are trying as a people to fill something in our lives that needs to be filled with something else. Gluttony is excess. If we could be a people of moderation, this would not be an issue. Let's take beer for just a second. Is beer, I mean, really, is beer itself a bad thing? The overconsumption of beer is the bad thing. And how hard is it 
for us to stop at just one? How many of us can eat just one french fry or just one potato chip or just one Oreo or stop at buying just one golf club or have just one car? These are not easy things to ask. They're also not easy things to answer. I want to read you a passage of scripture from Matthew. Jesus does not ever sit down with everyone and say, do not be gluttonous. That's never a part of his vernacular. Here is what he does say. And his words that he said to the followers so many thousands of years ago are words that are so appropriate for us today. And if we will embrace these words and live by these words, then things like gluttony, they won't be a part of our existence. It's taken from Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Is this how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire? Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or drink or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. We are gluttonous for lots of different reasons. I told you that I remember the first time I made the conscious decision to be gluttonous. I was sitting in McDonald's with my grandmother who truly had no idea how to help this little nine-year-old deal with the sudden loss of her mom and frankly probably could not process her own grief. And we were enjoying a happy meal And apparently, I was still hungry after it was over. And so she said, would you like some more food? And I said, sure. So instead of apples or instead of grapes or some other healthier choice, she got me another cheeseburger. And I do believe that was probably the beginning of a pathway to heightened sense of fullness and needing more to satisfy my own needs. What I figured out was the food itself never, ever, ever was enough. In fact, 
it got in the way. We live in a world and we live in a society in America in the year 2015 that pushes us to be gluttonous. And I believe as the church, we are called to do something about that. It is a social justice issue. And I believe as West, we actually do things about it. And I'll share with you what those are as the end point of the message. But I want you to take a look at these statistics In America right now, and this is from the Center of Disease Control, 29.4% of adults are obese. 36.7% of adults are overweight. So add those two numbers together. Over 60% of Americans in our nation right now, over 60% are overweight. 12% of adolescents are obese. 15% of adolescents are overweight. So over a fourth of our adolescents struggle with being overweight and obesity. Now here are the stats that we need to pay attention to as a church. Low income, two to five year olds who are obese is 15.4%. Low income two to five year olds who are overweight is 16%. So 40% of two to five year olds are obese and overweight. That's not because they go through McDonald's drive through and supersize their meal. And then low income women, overweight or obese prior to pregnancy, 55.1%. Rest on that for just a second. Low-income women, overweight or obese prior to pregnancy, 55%. Low-income women who gained excess weight during pregnancy, 46%. We make it difficult to be healthy. Healthy food costs more. We live in a land of processed food, There is a new awakening, clean eating, healthy eating that these groups are are uniting in. But if you don't have enough money to make ends meet, two bags of Doritos equal, if you find them on a good sale, which you can easily, one bag of mixed greens which is gonna go further and which is easier to give our children to eat. Going back to the gluttony source, however, we become gluttonous because we are trying to fill a void that exists in our lives. Now, I cannot address all the different ways that we are gluttonous, but I have identified some of them by consumer things Shared clothes, why do we have more clothes than can satisfy us? By big ticket items, cars, golf clubs, water skis, boats, I could go on. The one that hits close to home for me is food and apparently pins. Apparently I have a pin fetish with gluttony. We all have something 
that pulls at us. That's how these seven deadly sins came into existence. A monk, a monk had these thoughts that went on in the back of his head, these, these temptations. Now granted, he lived in a monastery. So if his temptations were big, can you imagine what ours are? These thoughts kept gnawing at him and finally he wrote them down and then Pope Gregory adopted them and the Catholic Church lived by the tenets of these are the seven, it started out as eight, but became seven deadly sins. And they're, they're real. And no, you know what? When we have one too many donuts, we're not gonna feel this shame as if we had just, you know, harmed someone else's life. We're not gonna feel this guilt and this shame, but it damages us when we are gluttonous. And eventually, it damages others. Jesus, the, the tenet of his teachings, all boiled down to love God and love one another as you love self. Gluttony does damage to loving self. I told you I wore baggy clothes today because I didn't want y'all sitting out there analyzing what I look like after I showed you a picture of me obese. Do we do that? Do we look at each other and think, mm, you know, they could stand to lose a few pounds? I mean, I, I deal with that every Sunday that I stand up here and then when I look at online worship, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to drop 20. And I do. That's my confession to you today. I deal with gluttony. I need to do better. Maybe after confessing it to you today, that voice in the back of my head that says, you can have, you can have those reduced fat Oreos or you can have one more diet Mountain Dew. Do you know that in our country right now, they put addictive substances in these foods so that we will eat and consume more? There's data out there to support things like that, but we don't talk about it. It's not fun. This is not fun. But folks, we're hurting ourselves. And we're hurting ultimately one another. A few weeks ago, I shared with you in the Friday email, and if you don't get Friday's email, that is the predominant way that we communicate at West is by email. We're a paperless church. So I invite everybody here or worshiping online to email info, I-N-F-O at headingwest.org or email me and say, I want to get Friday's email because that's the only way you're ever gonna know what's going on unless you check the website religiously. A few weeks ago, our brothers and sisters in South Carolina experienced massive, massive flooding. Some folks lost all that they had. Later on this evening or tomorrow, Leslie Wilson shared with me some pictures of the folks that we helped. We will put those up online and on our Facebook page for you to see, and also the gentleman that you all helped. The bottom line is though, people lost everything that they had. I put out a call to you to please make a difference in their lives. Bring Target gift cards or bring cans of soda and to the leadership team, please hold on to your seats and then you know shake your head and go, oh, she's a disgusting pastor. But um, to the leadership team, I sent an email and I said, I need you to bring beer. 
At West, we are a different kind of church. Most pastors don't ask for beer. They might want to, but they don't. The reason that I did is because we seek to make a difference in the world in the way that people feel like they need the difference made. And then we believe that by doing that, we will, because we do everything in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in that name of God, they will know that something drives us that is bigger than ourselves, that something is love and generosity. We exist as a church, as entities, to give ourselves away. And so we ask people, what do you need? Because we are not pious and we are not religious or we try really hard not to be, to say, you know what? I, sitting here in my nice home with my nice stuff, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna make your life feel better right now. That's not who we are. So the people that we're in ministry with, we always ask them, what do you need? And then when they tell us what they need, we try to offer it. So we asked Leslie, whose sister still lives in Columbia, her neighbors are the ones who lost everything. She asked, what do you need? And they said, we need Target gift cards so we can have clothes on our backs. We need soda to give to the many volunteers that are showing up because they're thirsty as they're working. And I know it seems like a bizarre request, but these, these folks are working so hard and they're so hot and tired we believe that if they could have a cold beer at the end of the day, that could be something that we could offer them. So in my mind, because most churches do not give out beer, and we try to meet people where they are, I asked the leadership team to bring beer, and they did, and no one complained. Now, I might get some emails this afternoon, but you know, for right now, nobody's fussed at me. And you know what, I don't think you will either because you know that we're trying to meet people where they are. And then here's the good news of today's message. You really are, you really are. And this time I am saying you and not we. You are a non-gluttonous kind of church. I mean, look, <laughs> where are we right now? We're at Lake Norman High School. Could we have a building? Sure, the money you put in the baskets in the back or you give online, we could do a building campaign and we could raise money and we could have a steeple and a nice building. But guess what? For us, that would, for us, that would be gluttonous because we take the money that is not being put in some four walls and we are finding tangible ways to give ourselves away, starting with last minute requests, bring, please, Target gift card soda or a nice way of saying thank you for sacrificing your time and your energy at the end of a hard hellacious day I want to show you some questions that we all can ask ourselves and this is my final point this is how we combat gluttony in our lives whatever gluttony we deal with this is how we Beat it. This is how we knock out that underlying thought and that sin. Do I really need this? Do I really need it? 
Will I feel better if I consume, eat, or receive it? And remember, this is not just about food. If I get that new shirt, am I really gonna feel better? And then are there consequences if I do it? If I buy the new cool boots that I've been looking at online for a couple of weeks now, because I at least keep asking myself, number one, I may not get to number three, but I do ask number one. Could I have given that money to sponsor another Ugandan child? Or could I have bought another bag of food for the kids at Third Creek who don't have enough to eat? I'm gonna put these questions on our Facebook page and on our website. Whether we wanna admit it or not, we all deal with gluttony. And we don't have to because Jesus provides all that we need. We just have to know what we need. Let us pray. Gracious God, will you please reveal to us what it is that we need? And God, will you show us a peace that comes with not having stuff and extra cars and just a lot of junk lying around, but God, relationships, that's what fills our soul. God, help us to step out of our comfort zone and perhaps rid our lives of some of the clutter. And God, help us follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen home and clean out our closets and get some stuff and give it to the Christian mission or goodwill. Please don't bring it to the West office. We do have enough stuff. And we could feel good about ourselves. Oh, we're, we're sacrificing. That's not sacrifice. Moving forward this week, what if we all did with just a little less gluttony? What does that look like for you and for me? That is living like Jesus. Go in peace.